If you'd like to turn with me back to page one, two, three, four, and we'll, it's Revelation, so we'll, we'll start, our, start our sermon. You know, I don't know what you think when you come to Revelation. There's, a, there's sort of like a fear comes over, over me because, um, because of how it can be interpreted. And I think for me as I read it, um, I, I struggle with it. Because the interpretations can be so diverse and so varied um, that, that it is a struggle to actually know what is happening in, in this book. I know if some of you have been at um, New Horizon this week. I know that the guy who was up there was speaking on Revelation. I had absolutely no idea of that. But, um, so I'm sorry if I, I'm going to repeat some of the stuff that he said. You know, Revelation was written by, by John the disciple, or, yeah, the disciple of Jesus um, in Patmos at the mid-90s, or late-90s at the end of the first century. Revelation means to, to uncover a hidden message. And the first line of Revelation actually tells us what that message is. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him concerning the events that will happen soon. The message is essentially directed to seven churches now, we actually don't know or understand why John has picked these specific seven churches. But what we do understand is that the number seven is significant to what John is trying to say throughout this book. What I want to do this morning is focus on one church, which is the church at Smyrna. And firstly, what I want to do is sort of look at the historical context of Smyrna and where it fitted in the Roman Empire. And then I want to look at verse, verse 9 and verse 10 to actually consider what is being said to the church and what Jesus is trying to communicate to the church at Smyrna. And then what I want to do is ask the question, what is Jesus trying to communicate to us as a community here in Ballyhackamore in East Belfast? The background of Smyrna. Smyrna was the second uh, largest city in Asia next to Ephesus. It was situated by the sea, which meant it had a seaport. It could import and export goods. Therefore, the Roman Empire and the status of the Roman Empire meant that it was crucial to the economic value of the empire and had major economic and political links and infrastructure um, for the empire. It um, had a population of uh, around 100,000 at that stage. And was founded, the church in Smyrna was founded on Paul's third missionary journey um, at, in the middle 50s, 53 to 56 AD. So the church that was in Smyrna at this stage was a well-established church. It was about 45 to 50 years old. So they were there for a long period of time. In the Roman Empire at that stage, Domitian was the, was the emperor. And he was, he, during that time, he had confessed himself to be a god that all the people in the Roman Empire should, should worship. And because of Smyrna's strong links with the Roman Empire, he decided to build a temple in the middle of Smyrna so that all the people from Asia could come and worship him. Now that had a problem, didn't it? Because here is a community of Christians in the middle of this epicenter of Roman worship. Because it had this tension going on. 
the community of this Christian community and the empire and the state had this, had this uh, collision of, of tension that was happening. And what that meant that was persecution was part of life. Now this, was, this just wasn't persecution towards Christians, I have to say. It was persecution towards anybody who considered anything else than Domitian as God. So if you had have been in that stage and you said, you know what, I'm not going to worship Domitian, you would have been persecuted because of it. In fact, any religion outside of worship towards Domitian was God was considered outlawed. So here we go. The background of Smyrna is this. A small Christian community living in an epicenter of what? Roman worship. Tension, collision course of two realities coming together. And here's a Christian community standing up for what they believe. Jesus Christ. Let's look at the letter in verse 9 and verse 10. The first line of verse 9 says this, I know your affliction. It should be on the PowerPoint, actually. I'll just try to get it up. I know your affliction and your poverty. Here's a church in middle, in the middle of intense persecution. And the Greek word here for physical or for affliction actually means physical violence. This church is physically being abused. A Christian community physically being abused by the state that it lives in, by the empire that it's involved with. But it just doesn't stop there. I know your affliction and your poverty. Here's a church starving, lack of necessities, physical abuse and lack of necessities for a Christian community within Smyrna was everyday life. A church suffering, in pain, hurting. This was the reality of being a Christian in Smyrna. But this letter continues and says, yet you are rich. You know, I struggle with that a bit, I have to say. Yet you are rich. A church suffering, starving, being beaten up for what they believe. And Jesus turns around through John and says to them, yet you are rich. Struggle. What Jesus is saying here is saying, the system that you live in, the system that you see, is really not what it's about anyway. The reason why you're rich is because you live by a different set of values. You live by a different set of rules. That's why Jesus can turn around and say to this community, in intense persecution, he can say, yet you're rich. Here's Jesus encouraging this community to live by the values that they hold. The next line says this, those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. If you hit the next slide, that would be great. Very interesting set of words that are being used here. As I, as I mentioned before, anybody who didn't conform to the way of, of Domitian the emperor um, was considered outlawed by the state. And what, what's being said here was the Jewish community that was living within Smyrna at that time, they were allowed to practice their faith. They were allowed to continue in practicing Judaism within Smyrna. And the reason that they were allowed was only by one, one, one rule. They had actually accepted Domitian as God. 
a God that they, within their whole concept of Judaism. Now the problem with that within Judaism is that if you look at the, at the Shema in, in Deuteronomy, verse six, or Deuteronomy chapter 6, which is the faith, the sort of like foundation faith of, of the Jewish faith, um, it says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. So here's a Jewish community who had accepted a God, a sort of man-God, before Yahweh. So this letter that's being sent and being said here, those who say they are Jews and are not, is basically saying they can't be. Because they've accepted something that's completely against what they believe. And that continues and says, but you are a synagogue of Satan. They are harsh words, aren't they? A synagogue of Satan. Because the problem was, when that was happening here, there was a conflict, not only between the Christian church and the state at that stage, but there was a conflict between the church and the Jewish community. Because the Jewish community, because they had accepted Domitian as God, they were turning around and they were saying, look, look at these Christians, they haven't accepted Domitian as God. I think they should be persecuted. You see, John goes on, in chapter 12 of Revelation, he calls Satan this. He calls him the accuser of the brethren. Here is a Jewish community accusing the brethren of the church within Smyrna. A synagogue of Satan. Verse 10 continues and says this. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. Living in this environment meant that prison was a reality. It was a part of your life. Especially because the Jewish community within that environment was pointing the finger and saying, look, you know, they haven't accepted Domitian. I think you should persecute them. You see, the, 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 the motivation behind this was to break down the people, the Christian church within this environment and to get them to accept Domitian as God. However, the thing was that many of them didn't swear allegiance to Domitian at all. And as a result, were put to death. Death, a reality of living as a Christian within Smyrna. In fact, history actually confirms this. With Polycarp, who was considered the bishop of Smyrna in the mid-2nd century. And it's recorded within history that he was brought into prison and asked to swear allegiance to uh, the emperor at that stage. And his reply was this, it says, Eighty and six years I have now served Christ. He has never done me the least harm. How then can I blaspheme my king and my saviour? A reality of suffering and pain, living as a Christian within Smyrna. Polycarp was actually sentenced to death. In fact, it was recorded that the Jewish community, on the morning of his death, because he was going to be burned, they actually helped carry the logs and the sticks so that, so that, they, could, so that they could be used to burn him at the stake. The letter goes on and says this. Be faithful even to the point of death. 
death a reality. But here's Jesus saying something to a community. Be faithful, even to the point of death. A declaration of encouragement to continue, to keep going, even if it means you're going to die. The promise comes at the end of this verse, doesn't it? Where it says this, I will give you the crown of life. The crown mentioned here is considered to um, represent and symbolize the, the crown that was given to somebody who won on the sports field at that stage in the Olympics. And it was a wreath. But what Jesus is saying to the community here in this stage is that, you know what? If you continue and you remain faithful in the suffering that's going on here, you will win. You will win. You know, it's hard. I find it hard to read those verses, realize what's happening in the background, and not struggle with it. But the question is this, what do you think Jesus is saying to us through it? Because, you know, our lives are pretty normal, aren't they? We're not really that persecuted at all. We don't suffer that much. Well, definitely not to the point of death anyway. But what do you think Jesus is saying to us through this? I think he's saying three things. Firstly, I know. You see, for me, reading this letter, this is the most comforting thing that Jesus could say. I know. A church suffering, physical abuse, starvation, even to the point of death. And Jesus saying, I know. I know all about it. I know everything that's happening. I know that you're starving. Jesus, in the midst of this, is saying, I know. You see, the question for us is this. What are we going through? What are we struggling with? Are we suffering today? See, the word is this. Jesus turns around and says to this community, I know. The second thing I say is this. Don't be afraid. Or do not fear. Throughout the Bible we read this all the time, don't we? Don't be afraid. Do not fear. Keep going. You know, fear really comes from not knowing what's going to happen in the future. We don't know the outcome of things, so what do we do? We get afraid. But one of the, one of the, the verses that I love is in, is in John 16, 33. When Jesus speaks with his disciples, and he says this, In this world you will have many trials, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. You see, what Jesus is saying to his disciples essentially here is that trials and suffering are going to be a part of your life. They are going to be part of living in this world. But what Jesus is saying here is, I can't do anything about that. 
What I have overcome is the system that those trials take place in. I have overcome the world. Trials are a part of this world, but I have overcome it. He didn't say that the trials were going to go away. He didn't say that you weren't going to suffer. I remember Christoph last week was speaking about this, and he said suffering is a part of living. It's a part of being alive. It's a part of our life. We have to accept it. But here's Jesus to a community who is in pain at this stage, and he's saying this. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. The last thing that I, that I read from this is um, what Jesus says to this community is this. Remain faithful. You know, faithfulness is really not an attribute that we have, is it, in our society? You know, we, we throw away things like, you know, it's the consumer society that we live in, isn't it really? When you don't want something, you just throw it away. You know, I, I even remember, this makes me sound old, but I even remember a time when you got something and you kept it, you know, and you looked after it, and then if you didn't want it, you actually sold it. My goodness, <laughs> you know, we don't do that anymore. We get something, we keep it, you know, one of the buttons breaks on it, so what do you do? You throw it out and buy a new one. That's a reality. We're not faithful to anything, are we? What about our marriage and divorce rate? Are we faithful in that? You know, our society is just showing us that faithfulness is not a part of our life. But what Jesus is saying to this community, he's in persecution, he's saying this, faithfulness should be an attribute that you go after. It should be an attribute that we are called to as a community of Christians. Do we stick things out? Do we continue in things? Do we persevere? Always having hope? Or do we give up and walk away? I love the promise that Jesus gives at the end of this, isn't it? I will give you the crown of life. You will win. I think it's amazing hope that Jesus gives to this community who is facing ultimately death. And Jesus is saying, You will win. Let us pray. I want you to think of a situation that you're going through. A situation of maybe you are in pain this morning. Maybe you are suffering. Maybe you're struggling. I want you to feel the emotions that come with that. The frustration. Maybe it's even anger. Maybe it's hopelessness.
And as you embrace those emotions, I want you to hear Jesus' words to you. Where he says this, I know. I know all about it. He says this, don't be afraid. Don't fear what's ahead. I know. He continues, remain faithful. Remain faithful in it. Don't be afraid. I know. God, I thank you that you're not detached from us. Because you experienced everything that we face. God was skin on. Jesus Christ experienced life in its pain and its hurt, and its suffering. By being beaten, by being rejected, by knowing death. You truly are a God who knows. And because you know, you can say, don't fear, but remain faithful. And I will give you the crown of life. Thank you, God.